I am Ari Anderson. Welcome to another episode of Millennials Don't Suck. Very excited about this week's episode with Brandon Kleinman. Uh, Brandon is the founder of Laurel and Wolf, which I'm sure a lot of you have heard of, as well as several other companies. One of the more interesting humans that I've I've gotten to talk to uh, in the last couple of years. Extremely well read. Like we literally we 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 talked for probably just as long off the air as we did on the air when we sat down just because there was just so much uh so much there there but uh really excited about the interview we go into conversations about sort of the the serendipity of starting of of starting Laurel and Wolf his company of of uh when he was working in Disney when he was working in advertising sort of the journey how things have unfolded sort of after starting a successful company. Um, a lot of good stuff in there. I think uh, I think you guys will be able to get a lot out of this one. Uh, before we get to it, this podcast is sponsored by, as always, Curious Audio. Uh, you guys at this point are probably familiar with Curious Audio, but if you're not, it is the, the podcast network that we recently launched for the curious, by the curious, we uh, we have Life Rights on there, which I co-host with Max Carver, where we interview people about transformational adventures that they've had. Um, our friend Mike Goldman, also known as Nona, who does the intro music for this podcast, he is a touring musician, plays bass in a band called AOL Nation. Uh, he has he has a podcast on Curious Audio called In the Band, uh, which just dropped another episode on Friday, which you should definitely check out. So Curious Audio, it's curiousaudio.co is the website. Look for Curious Audio. You'll, I mean, if you follow us on Instagram or on any sort of social media, you you will find it. But uh, definitely check out the other shows on the network. We're launching a ton more shows uh, in the next coming months, so keep an eye out for that. This week's podcast is also sponsored by an old friend of the show, IB Me, Inward Bound Mindfulness Education. Uh, very exciting IB Me is putting on a new young adult retreat uh, next month in Concord, Mass. So it's June 6th to the 10th. Uh, it's for people ages 18 to 32. There's scholarships that are available. You know, I've talked at length on this podcast about IB Me, but but basically it's it's uh, ways for young people to learn mindfulness techniques to kind of take a step away from you know, the the intensity and the rigor of society and kind of learn to go within inside yourself and be able to be be comfortable going inside yourself, giving yourself yourself the the time and the space to feel calm, relaxed, present, nourished. Uh, it's gonna be led by some of, you know, the, the foremost mindfulness experts. Uh, it's gonna be in a beautiful setting. Definitely, if I was on the East Coast, I think I would probably be going to this. Um, as I've said before, I... Actually, was a was a mentor on an IBM retreat for teens a couple of years ago, and it was just an incredible experience. Um, so definitely check that out. It's ibme.info/ya19. Again, that's ibme.info/ya19. That's where the uh, all the info for this retreat is. Uh, ibme doing amazing work as always. So check out their young adult retreat next month in Concord, Mass. Um, okay, I think that is it for me. I hope you guys enjoy this interview with Brandon Kleinman. I certainly did. Um, 
also just sort of sort of as an aside uh the first time brandon and i met we talked about a book that i really had gotten into called the three body problem and unlike most people he just went and read it like that week and so we we since have just been having these amazing conversations about all of the different ideas uh that this book sort of elicits within you um so if you're looking for a good book i mean three body problem you really can't beat it amazon recently uh recently optioned it and has budgeted a billion dollars to make the tv show so definitely worth a read um fundamentally changed the way i look at the universe more than any other certainly piece of fiction in a in a long time maybe ever um sort of a random little note there but i just i know uh i know that it, it it's a great book so i just wanted to share all right here's brandon kleinman hope you guys enjoy uh as always millennials don't suck Okay, I am here today in the lovely backyard hangout area of uh, Brandon Kleinman's home. Here you are. Hey, welcome. Glad Thank to have you. you. This is uh, we got Clyde. The, the what is? I assume he's a, a pit. Clyde is a rescue pit bull of twelve years, and he's he's currently resting on my leg like a very cute puppy. Living. Um, this is an amazing space that you've created here sir thank you uh i always say i got lucky with it i bought <laughs> it and then i had some really talented designer friends right who's some more potential in it than i did and uh yeah I well think that it, it, that's a perfect segue into why maybe you had those talented designer friends My so life. you are you are the founder of uh of a company called laurel and wolf mm-hmm. uh what ex- tell it tell us exactly what that what that company is yeah so laurel and wolf um it's an interior design marketplace sure. that matched interior designers with people who needed to design their space. And kind of the the original idea was that either spent a lot of money interior designers mm-hmm. or you looked at Pinterest. Right. There wasn't really a middle. So the idea was with my partner at the time that we could use the power of the internet to connect some of these younger designers that were kind of up and coming with people that wanted interior design that didn't mm-hmm. have the money and just see what happened and the, at the time at least the hypotheses seemed like it worked and that it became like a it's become like a, a big thing became actually Be, uh, oh yeah. uh, so so tell us the story of it tell- yeah so it's random so i guess the backstory was before laurel and wolf with me i was running which is a crazy crazy story in itself i was running global social strategy for one of the largest ad agencies in the country huh. called Shyat Day. Sure. Yeah, um, yeah. I feel like that's the one. Yeah. It was cool. I got I did I got very lucky to get that job, which like I said is a whole different wild story. I mean that's what it what is what is any story but a series of Yeah. Well there was one, like it was actually a pointed story how I got that job. Oh crazy. Um and so I left after two years and I was like in my late twenties hmm. and I thought I was way doper than I was. I started a business <laughs> 
still a great idea. It was called What's Good. And I figured out how to take in all these restaurant recommendations, like right. all these menus. Right. And I could basically rank, this is way before, very, like beginning of Yelp days. Sure. And I could rank the uh, dishes on the menu from most popular to least popular within each restaurant and then have you filter out based on ingredient, lifestyle, nice. diet you were on. So, so if you're at a restaurant, you could be like, What's good here? Yeah. And it just would rank it. Dude, even better, you're like, yo, I'm paleo. You mean your car? I'm on paleo. I want a burger. And it would rank like one to 60 right. within two miles. Oh, yeah. Burgers are what? around you. I, I would use that today. Why doesn't it exist? Because, well, one, because I sucked at business at the time. <laughs> um, but mostly because I was young. I mm. didn't know what I didn't know, which has been a theme sure. kind of building up. But anyways, I did it for a year and a half. Didn't work out. And then I was going to take a very prestigious job in uh, New York that I was in back in the advertising industry. It mm-hmm. kind of got, you know, my hat handed. I had my hat in hand. I got my like lunch handed to me. Right. And then a friend asked me to help out an interior designer with a idea she had. Huh. And this friend is somebody who is like, I always joke as my fairy godmother because every single person she's introduced me to had like fundamentally changed my life. Wow. So I said yes. And in two weeks, me and then interior designer started Laurel and Wolf. Uh, I had met her. So How did you come up with the name? That's funny. Um, so originally we'd picked this name Decorade, which uh-huh. like just trash, like yeah. trash. Times I'm glad 10. you chose Laurel and, and Wolf. <laughs> so not only, well, I got it chosen for me. So we picked Decorade and we were using it and there must've been somebody else like starting a business in the same place because oh, they went and grabbed the social handles literally a week after we put it Crazy. up. And then I think we got a cease and desist from this person and we had this moment where like we could fight him because we had like records that we had done it a week before with uh-huh. the URL and stuff. Uh-huh. But we're like, let's change it. And so I always joke, like the most difficult part of any business or like the most emotionally fraught is naming the business. If you have a partner that's like as opinionated as you are. Right. And so in the end, Laurel Wolf won. Laurel's for Laurel Canyon because we were an LA-based company. And then Elsie DeWolf, which is the first interior designer of all time, um, was homage to her. Nice. And also that ampersand was hot at the time. Mm, Everybody was blank. The hipster ampersand. I love that stuff. I, I feel like I saw somebody make a joke of just like, Anywhere in Brooklyn is just like something and something. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So that's how we got it. Um, yeah. And so, so the you met you met this woman. Um, you basically just vibed. Shotgun wedding. It wasn't even like vibe. There was you know it was still you know difficult times. But we both had very different skills mm. that at the time were both really good for the product and also appealing to the market. And it was crazy, like shotgun wedding in the sense that I think we met the last week in November and we'd raised over a million dollars by the first of April. Oh my God. And so, I mean, I had, we had this clever, uh, I always say we, yeah, we, we'll leave it at we, had this clever thing that ended up helping us. My background before this was always marketing mm. and like trying to, you know, figure out, like psychology has always kind of been the root of every job that I've gotten has come not from applying to the door. It's come from either a stunt that I pulled or Hmm. like some type of like understanding of a system, like how they think about the candidates. And so this was no different, but essentially, is that when BuzzFeed was kind of, you know, really listing their heyday? Yeah, yeah. List, listing was everything. Yeah. And so I had this idea to create this the style quiz where essentially it'd be 12 pictures of an interior huh. and say, yes, no, yes, no, yes, no. And at the end, um, we'd say, we've got your style result. Give us your email so we can send it to you. And what would kick out, we had nothing built. Literally, it was a landing page. And um, what would happen is it would spit out a number. And then we had a Google Doc where like, 
if your number is 17, you are contemporary eclectic. And we cut and paste the description for contemporary eclectic into an email and send it out. And the craziest part is after we finished this, I spent like 2000 bucks on uh, Facebook traffic. This is when it like, really right. worked. Yeah. And we had something like, it's like a 93% conversion rate on emails. So insane. And then I did this thing, which I think is normal in startups, but we had, because we couldn't build the actual product because we didn't have money to do it. Right. So we basically had a flow where after you got your style quiz, you'd go through and you get to the credit card page to use a normal service and it would show an error message because we couldn't collect your money because right. we couldn't give it to you. Right. And so within four or five weeks, we basically had something like 30% of the people who hit the website would get to this error message. So the story became that we have all these people that want to pay for the service that we experiment with. Experiment with. We don't need money to experiment on an idea. We need money to f uh, fulfill right. these clients. And it made the round, you know, relatively so you competitive. Can, so you can raise, you can raise a lot easier that way. Like it becomes this right. thing where like your money is like basically going to, you know, become more money. It's, in it's gasoline on, yes, on a fire. Exactly. We already solved the hard part. We right. just like can't afford to, you know, to support all the things that we solved. And right. So yeah, that was how Lauren Wolf got started. Crazy. And, 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 um, was there, because you had been in, in sort of this period of uncertainty about what your next move was, was, do you remember, was there any specific sort of thought process or like, um, just was there a specific moment when you're like, yeah, all right, I'm just going to do this. Yes. It's funny. I remember at the time I had this conversation with my then girlfriend and, um, essentially there were two companies that had been helping out at the same time and they both ended up doing pretty well, which is nice. Mm -hmm. And I wasn't sure what I wanted to do. And I talked to her and we talked it out and, I believed that I would end up at the other with the other company because of a couple things, and just like everything else, like I didn't make a decision until I had to make a decision, which tends to be it's tough because sometimes you actually do have to make a decision. Right. But I waited it out, and a lot of the assumptions that I had about how the mm. chips would fall proved to be wrong very quickly, and it ended up that in this particular case without calling out the other company because it might be known and like i still talk to the person and yeah, like yeah. all that one co-founder was way more aggressive in like uh call it of like the uh the fire that i was mm. kind of looking for right uh given how i like to operate right and yeah you don't you don't strike me as somebody who Who's, who enjoys that. Yeah. It's like one of those things where like, even if it was difficult and it was difficult from the very start, we right. both were ve are very type A. Right. And uh, it what ended up being the one that moved the fastest. Mm. And it was almost like the decision was made for me. At some point, it was very clear that like the trajectory on this was going to be like breakneck speed. Right. And so, yeah, uh, Laurel Wolf. And it just kind of happened. I remember we're the, like as funny as, you know, everybody, or I would always think that like, the big aha moment when you start a business is like we're literally sitting at the table and like I think just very casually like yeah want to do this as a business together we're like yeah sure that's a good idea and like that was the last it's, conversation we had it's it's and then you you sold it a few years later right kind of not quite um, what essentially happened is in two or two years in we'd raised another twenty to thirty remember the number now million dollars from benchmark and at that point company was like 50 people i want to say or 45 people and my partner and i had very different uh ideas on what the future had to be without getting into boring specifics sure. 
and we in an animated way yeah. frequently talked about it sure and it got to the point where we realized that there was no way like our visions were pretty divergent and uh i was lucky enough at the time that i was able to sell a portion of my my stake there mm. and go start something new which was really exciting and right. it worked out in its way as well and i ended up parting the business and then you know RIP, I think three weeks ago, Laurel Wolf shut down. Really? Yeah. Oh, snap, dude. So you, yeah, I didn't even know that. Yeah. So, so you really, timing is fucking everything for you. That's the thing is at the time, like, and this is like a lesson in itself. Sure. At the time you talked about stress. Yeah. I had all these things that I'd never done before. Right. I learned, had to learn how to sell stock in the secondary market up again into the new investment round, how right. to price it. Um, I needed to figure out. My friend introduced this concept called schmuck insurance. And I think about it all the time. Huh. I think it's great. So it's this idea that you can't control what side of the bet's going to win and what side's not. You can try to like think it through. Right. But the worst thing that can possibly happen is the same thing. There's a guy named Noah who was at Twitter, I think. I don't remember his last name. But the thing that you want to avoid is it's not even like the financial outcome. It's the feeling as if you missed out something that was kind of like your birthright or whatever. So it's this idea. It's why people tend to not sell 100% of their stake mm. in a, an existing business. It's creating a narrative to yourself that if it goes up and you bet wrong, you still own enough of it right. where you get to say at dinner parties that you own it and still get a little bit of upside. But just keeping enough where like no matter what the outcome is, you don't feel like shit. You're basically so, protecting yourself from being depressed. I also heard a funny story in that kind of same vein, like the chain smokers or whatever. Yeah. There was an additional member oh, really? uh, as part of the group and he ended up leaving because I don't actually know this story, uh -huh. uh, the group, and then they blew up yeah. right afterwards. Right. And, you know, that's just like, it's a tough thing. And like you end up. The idea of like your identity, this is not to pick on him, but the Twitter sure. person, your identity being, you know, Pete Best of the Beatles is like a terrible. I, literally, that was who I was thinking yeah. of in my head. So this idea of schmuck insurance, and, and I've used huh. it in kind of any big decisions I've made, right. where like you pick a side, you go hard at it, but you hedge you a hedge tiny a bit, bit yeah. for your own ego, not necessarily huh. even for upside. That is so interesting because the way that you're describing that to me feels like it's it is you are making an ego based decision, but like not an from from at least my perspective an unhealthy ego based decision. I'm rationalizing my right, ego, like exactly. No matter what I want to think about, like the world, my right. ego's there. Right, I of feel course. bad about shit. We're so human like, beings. Yes, exactly. How 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 can you best move through the world with the the least amount of discomfort? Essentially, yeah, and then in the end, like becoming wealthy, right. going on great vacations, or right. even like really getting deep in intellectual problems, or staying home with family or whatever. Right. You like them all kind of to your point because right. like they make you feel good or they make you feel bad, whatever right. it is. So there is something to be said for like being honest about what will ruin your mental state hmm. and trying your best to at least like hedge against that becoming your reality. I'm curious what, because you know, you've, people know you as the founder of this company uh -huh. now and probably there's certain uh, expectations or certain preconceived notions people might have about you as like somebody who's a founder of a company. Sure. What, how, from your perspective, how has that changed in the last three, four or five years? How, how do people treat you differently or have you noticed a difference in the way people uh, sort of treat you. Or, I mean, this is or, a joke that everybody, you know, if you have a company that's worth 
nine figures or whatever, everybody yeah. thinks that you have nine figures of cash, right. which is always funny. And I'm right. sure that you can talk to anybody who like does anything, not that I'm, you know, a big deal at all, right. but like that people conflate that. But I think the bigger thing is people in general, um, like to bet on people that have done stuff. And I've found that whether it's raising money mm-hmm. or recruiting people or even just telling a story, you're kind of given the benefit of the doubt in a way that I would not have been right. otherwise. So, you so, know, it's like the old funny thing that like celebrities get gift baskets. Right. It's like they basically give, they give gifts. Uh, the people who don't need it get things for right. free. Of I course. think that it's like a social version of that. That's a, that's a fantastic <laughs> comp and I, I, it makes complete sense to me. And so it's like, there's that. Yeah. And, and, but at the same time, it also is like, it also makes sense within the context of a logical person. It's like, yeah, this is someone who has a track record of being able to do something yep. that most people can't do because it's really hard. Like mm-hmm. what, what you did with that is really fucking like, I, I bet it's really hard. Yeah, I mean, it's one of those, th- I mean, I have lots of theories on the hard thing. One of the things that's been kind of nice too is my other, my second company had yeah. grow- has grown right. relatively Yeah, so large. let's, let's um, well, we got to hear about that one next. Yeah, um, so I became a design guy apparently because yeah. of Laurel Wolf. And sure, you, I, did you get pigeonholed or? or? Um, I think it was a combination of both. I don't think the market pigeonholed me. Mm. I think that I spent two years learning about a field right. and then I had a hypothesis on the field having been in it for two years and kind of, learning about it Mm -hmm. um and so i started a company it's called showroom um essentially the original hypothesis was i bought the largest i bought the largest high-end custom furniture manufacturing facility high-end one in the country and i was going to support hospitality groups and design firms by doing all of their custom through an app where they don't like basically reduce kind of what you see now is literally have to email someone or call on the phone be like i need a custom couch or i need you know 30 chairs right whereas like i streamlined it into an app and so i started that and then without i would imagine that's a very good business it is i mean it's tough Mm -hmm. like Anytime you're moving atoms, like building furniture and then shipping across the country, right? Like you end up getting these um, these problems that logistics. like in the chain logistics are hard, yeah. expectations are different. Mm. But what ended up happening with that business is it ended up becoming so a home stager bought uh, a bunch of furniture hmm. from us, and there was a disagreement on a bill at some point and the disagreement made me kind of dig into like the economics of what her business looked like just because now I was curious right and it immediately struck us as uh being an enormous opportunity this idea that if somebody could come build technology to make home staging interesting use a lot of capital to really really have a large kind of warehouse and move this and then ultimately my big vision on it was that if you could stage in every major market a few hundred homes at a time, like say in LA, there was 400 homes I had furniture in, I could be a distributed retail experience. So like instead of going into restoration hardware, if you have a Spanish modern house, you could just go over to three comp houses in your neighborhood and see what it looks like in there and then pull up the app and look at like, okay, I know they have this in different materials. So it's kind of this compounding thing. That's genius. I I just got goosebumps because of that. that, I I always get goosebumps when I hear good ideas. Thank you. It's hard though for the Adams problem and it's just staging in general. It's kind of a savage business. So we started a company called Vesta and now I think Vesta is maybe the top stager and so like yeah in the world 
or in the country if it's not one it's two it's right there neck and neck that's so so amazing man so it's i love this because you're i got lucky though in the sense that like both these things ended up catching right quick enough that we were able to scale a team and like uh you know i always joke like you should be talented enough that like you're there to get lucky and like a couple things broke our way early in both the businesses that allowed us to really go aggressive it is it is really interesting though like I you strike me as a fairly self-aware person. Thank you. Like but would a self-aware person agree to that? Yikes. Uh, <laughs> yeah, they would. I I like but I appreciate it. But I mean just like l- lightning kind of has struck you twice in a row. It's been a crazy four and a half and years. And so it's just <laughs> like I I wonder if you've thought at all about sort of what just for the listeners, like what what do you think what has been really important for you it, whether it's in your sort of your daily sort of way that you're approaching the days mentally or just the way that you're approaching your life what what has has there been something that's really been valuable or that you particularly attribute to to your success yes i do have a specific take on why i've been successful or two takes okay uh growing up yeah the one thing that everybody said i was curious like Mm. i was the obnoxious little kid uh always real tiny asking like why this is why this is why this is and then kind of the the compounding is that like, I think I always make the joke. I, you know, in my twenties, I was a hundred confidence in 15 skill. And now I've like gotten all the way up to like a hundred confidence in 61 skill. <laughs> and so it was this thing where like my twenties were brutal only because even though I had like good job, a good job, I like could not have failed harder at the things that I thought were important to me at the time, starting businesses, taking risks. But I think, and this leads me to the second thing that I think was important is I'm reading a book. The book's irrelevant, but it's this idea of like being okay with being told no. Mm. Like in my twenties, I've always maintained this aggressive curiosity and not in some like corny way. Like I'm quite literally captivated by everything our new friends you know new girlfriends fields books yeah, like same. everything oh, yeah. to me is like oh my god my, i can't believe this exists my, my like, podcast what? network that by the way this podcast is presented by curious audio what so, i'm curious <laughs> there you go send me my check uh there we will uh so so you have this curiosity but also sort of this this uh this way that you're sort of approaching you just get beat up like right. it's like a joke but like the best thing that happened to me was i failed yeah. miserably through my earlier years yeah. and like it's not even a thick skin because that's like not that's a good takeaway in the right. sense that like it's great that i had a thick skin but what ends up happening is you end up failing so often that you don't see them as failures you mm. see them as like strings in a pattern and so like you end up getting this thing where you know, it's that old, like it's that old Gretzky quote or whatever. Right. Like he always scared where the puck was going, not where it was. Oh, you start one. to yeah. see that because you've whiffed on the past so many times yeah. previously. And so like wow. my thirties have been great. Yeah. My twenties kind of sucked in that sense. It, it, you know, it is really interesting. Yeah. You know, I'm, I, I, I just turned 28 uh-huh. and like, I would say the last professionally, the last probably 18 months have been by far the most successful of my life. It compounds too, which is awesome. And, and I find myself sort of having that same feeling because like, you know, up to this point, I've tried a lot of different things, mm-hmm. none of which I w- really, you know, uh, could be judged externally as successful, but they are like every one of those 
experiences or events or periods in my life have sort of led or make up part of the patchwork quilt that is currently providing me with this entire new, all these new worlds that I'm getting to Absolutely. explore. And you know, the one thing I want to add to that, because I do know that there's a pretty wide range of people listening. Oh, of there course. is a downside to being where I am that I miss. So one of the things that I don't have as much as I had in my twenties that I have, or that I don't have now that I had in my twenties mm -hmm. is there's a lot of shit I can't unsee at this uh, point in like how systems work in like why things don't make sense. And you know, if you think of things probabilistically, like if I said, I'm going to do this and it has a 40% chance of happening. I think when I was in my twenties, I was so not calibrated by experience right. that I thought uh, a 20% was a 60%. And so I do these things that nobody else was wasting their fucking time on. Right. And it occasionally would catch because 20% right. still happens. Right. And that was a huge advantage because I was essentially competing in a small group of people because nobody was, you know, there's only a small group of us that were ignorant enough to think that it would happen. And now as I get older, and whether it's raising money or whether right. it's recruiting people, or either whether it's like, okay, a business model is viable or just like something will be fun. Right. I'll have a much tighter calibration on the likelihood of something happening and I'll avoid doing it, which means that 0% chance it'll happen. Whereas before, you know, even if it was one in eight or one in 10, like if that hit while I was like 25, like that becomes part of your identity. You just need a couple of these wins dude. and then you get back to the thing you are talking before where people expect that you know what you're doing. I mean, dude, like my, I, I am a living don't. example of this. Like with mo this podcast, literally the podcast that we were talking about, it was just one of those shots. Like, oh yeah, sure, let's well, do a podcast. I mean, like you thank, like- uh, Thank you. Charm people up, you listen well. But like- All the things I wish I was. But like, <laughs> oh, I've, al I've also, you know, this is probably a hundred some odd interview I've mm -hmm. done. Like I've gotten a lot better at it. But like that, f doing that first thing and having it hit and be successful initially has allowed, like I've leveraged that very heavily into building a production company, you know, doing all of these other things that like, it's the same, mm -hmm. it's the exact same thing that you're talking about, where it's when you have less to lose when you're in your twenties, for instance, like you can take these riskier, it's like, it's the same, it's like an investment strategy. You just right? don't know better too, right. which is like not knowing better is so fucking powerful. Yeah, it's true. Ignorance, I ignorance, I mean, Look at Trump supporters. Ignorance can be very powerful. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, it's kind of to give them credit, which I don't almost ever do. Yeah. Like on the probabilistic thing, like they bet on a low probability right. outcome. It happened for whatever, even if it happened like, you know, in a way that like was- Is illegal know, or whatever. Yeah, or yeah, like right. dark or whatever. Yeah. But it's this idea, and this is why, you know, young people end up ruling the world mm -hmm. is because like these- big giant surprising outcomes tend to be perpetrated by people like you said that have less there's this great article that we were talking about yeah called status as a service right and uh, this seems like an outlier but it's actually not um it was an article if i go read it if it's really long it's by eugene way but he it was about all of these products that actually are selling status instead mm -hmm. of like as a product right. like within the product and they made this really interesting point which was that the reason social networks and a lot of these status-based companies do so well with young people it's not that young people are like better at social networking or whatever it's this idea that like what group of people have less but still like when you're in your 20s you don't have a dope job 
you don't have like travel experience, you don't have any wisdom. So Instagram followers is like a dope way to show that you have value to the world. Right. So you end up basically concentrating this group of people that want status that, you know, haven't been given an opportunity to do so. And I just thought it was an interesting take. Everybody always kind of like cuts up like young people as being like, oh, it's vanity mm -hmm. or no, it's not. Everybody wants status and the older people already have it because they have right. like a more solidified position in the world. And I thought it was an interesting and probably apt way to kind of really bail out this idea that young people are doing it for the wrong reasons. Well, I think it's also interesting, like, you know, when I when I got here, we we started to have the conversation about like, you know, where we're at as a society uh -huh. and how, how, you know, it kind of, I think we're all kind of circling around this feeling of like, man, it kind of feels like there's a reset that needs to happen or like, you know, some Yikes. sort of, it's not like it just, it feels like, like, I think there's the collective feeling of, of like, we're, we're like getting squirreled down a drain right now or something yeah. like that. Yeah, I agree. Um, but, but I think that, that what you're talking about, is interesting in the sense that our society has funneled people into feeling like they need status. You know, like I think that I mean, I'll push back on that. Yeah, I think please. every every single every single system sure. that exists, families, right, jobs, yeah. even your own damn neighborhood block right. is a status-based system. Sure, of course. And so it's this thing where I think what's changed is that it's a little more overt. Like they're now calculating your status into like numbers, Q that score like yes, or, whatever. or even dude, even followers, yeah, like that yeah, yeah. you can see on a day to day basis. So I think in a way where like you know traditional status, mm -hmm. like you know who in a family is making the decisions right. was an implied status, right. something that you could kind of put in the back of your mind sure. for small periods of time. It's really hard to open up your app and like look at a picture that has you know. 21 likes and right. seeing like the person you went to high school with getting a thousand on their picture without being like well oh, apples to apples i'm trash <laughs> well i guess i guess what where i was coming from with it was like you know in a pre let's say pre digital mm -hmm. technology society or even going back further like we used to prescribe value to to more like sort of ways of living or, or more more roles so to speak so yep. yes obviously you know shit was way fucked up in the in the like don't get me don't get me wrong like slavery indentured servitude all that <laughs> but like in sort of you know within small communities each person had like like a young person who was like a whatever you know bus driver or sure what, you know whatever the young bus the, drivers the, love the, it the comp is <laughs> yeah. um was was value like still didn't need to feel the problem the need to like peacock in the same way you know what I mean? mm -hmm. like like that is very much a result of our current technological yeah i think that you're right i think that it's a combination like i said of yeah. like it being more articulated in front of your face it's like true. where you get yes or no and the other thing that i think is uh kind of interesting whether it's how businesses are built now is that I think because of the way that information flows, mm. there is a very, very short term kind of cycle going where like if yeah. something doesn't pay off quickly, you end up kind of discounting it because if it's not paying off, it right. kind of seems like it's losing. And so you discount anything that doesn't get a lot of time to you know bake or go over time. And you end up having these, there's only so many things you can do. 
with uh, you know all the major companies that you love, and even all a lot of the major artists or whatever, like tend to be you know ten year overnight successes. And I think that that is something that I don't even call it not promoted. I just think culturally, it's like one of those things that people aren't being taught that like、mm. it takes a whole bunch of shit to get there. So people that are not there yet. You know the basically the life equivalent of ten followers. <laughs> totally, and, and I think you know there's there's the the incorrect belief that it is overnight. You know that 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 totally. You know even like even somebody like I, I've used this example in the past, but like even somebody like Justin Bieber, for、uh-huh. instance, like that dude was not an overnight success. He was a young, like a young kid who started posting he was a YouTube kid YouTube videos. <laughs> And like gained a following on YouTube just by being talented. And he's literally Michael Jackson as far as famous now. Yeah, from like it, being like a Canadian kid from like a working class suburb. Exactly, that like sang into like an eighty dollar camera. It, exactly, and and and, but we only you forget people we, don't even remember that's where he came from. To your point, exactly. And and now, young kids who are trying to do the same thing are comparing themselves to where he is now and feeling shitty. As a result,、well, everyone's feeling shitty.、Right. That's the whole point. I mean, like the whole even point. I feel shitty. Yeah, like I, I look at myself, dude, and I'm like looking at a bunch of things that happened in the last two years. I'm like, damn, you are a C minus walking over here, and it's good in the sense that like、yeah. it pushes me to like stay hungry、wow. and、uh, everything, but it's brutal. I think that that's kind of it's a good point.、Mm. You know, there's. I forgot. There's a comedian out there that's like I think it was Louis C.K. Problematic. Everything's but, awesome and everyone, happy. no one, no, yeah, yeah everyone's,、uh, or, yeah, nobody's happy. Yeah,、exactly. <laughs> and like I think that's the vibe. I just think、yeah. that you can open up your、uh, open up your pocket or whatever, and as quick as anything, you can see somebody who's like just reminds you that no matter what you picked for your life's work, like you're probably no better than tenth place. Well, and I mean, dude. <laughs> You have this aware, you know. We both grew up in Los Angeles.、Yeah. Like, you know that the amount of money in your checking account or in your bank account, you know, beyond seventy whatever thousand dollars, really has no effect on your day to day happiness. Correct at all, and in fact, can be for a lot of people. That oh,、know. there's this. Awesome. Negative article. They interview. Someone sent it to me on this. I'm sorry if I keep like dropping. Oh like, no,、things. no, drop a big reader. Drop away. But they interviewed so Roy Disney. Yeah, I think was either Walt's son or yeah, I think he was, and he owned half of Disney. Right, and his daughter did an、uh, interview about having more money than she could spend. You got to check it out. Yeah,、It's、please. Fucking incredible. But she talks about what you're talking about is this idea that like it's very hard with too much stuff. To、uh, kind of keep identity and keep purpose in like that, most of the people she knows are very sad or worse or worse, kind of like like actively angry. And I don't want to paraphrase what she said, sure. But it was the best and the most self awareness. It was the most self aware description of somebody who was born and always had like more money than they,、uh, they could imagine.、Mm-hmm. Like recounting, I've gone. I grew up in LA, like you said.、Right. And I used to be this just hater on kids that acquire or like inherited money,、mm-hmm. or like that went to like you know the private schools out here. And in my last couple of years, having spent more time,、right. like you know, doing I'm not a rich kid or whatever,、right. but I've done okay. Yeah.、Um, I have a deep empathy for these people now that I、yeah. never had. It would be so hard. Yeah. To be born with money, and worse yet, like、uh, parents who like. Cast a shadow. Like I would almost rather be born, you know, 
with not a lot given that like it's just so hard to find identity and find purpose like if everything is driven by necessity in your life like all decisions the idea of being born with little necessity or less necessity is so savage well to that point also like i remember uh that book um david and goliath by gladwell yeah of course um you know he talks about how it actually potentially is more difficult to to parent as a, a very wealthy person because you saying no totally. isn't about means and and it's just it's a much e- like restrictions are great i want a pony <laughs> oh i can't afford a pony okay versus like why can't i have a pony where we have 12 cars in the yeah, garage exactly. like wh- why why not ferrari's a pony where's yeah, my ferrari exactly like, <laughs> so it, that that i just think is it's it, uh, the re- I think the reason initially why I, I came on to this point is it, I think it would be very beneficial for our society if if it was like one of those people could just kind of see the other side of, of get, getting, to, getting to just like be like, oh, yeah, this is what it's like to be rich for a day. And obviously, of course, it's you can do a lot with money. This money's, is a meta point you're making, cool. though. It's this idea that like, you know, in the same... And, I'm sure everybody talks about this, so I hope not to be boring on this. No, uh, but like this is great. it's the Instagram problem in yeah. that like you see a still frame and right. like you think that like it's not a highlight. This is just like a candid into this beautiful thing. And like to your point, on like and you see someone with means growing up mm-hmm. or uh, whatever Howard Schultz called it, mm-hmm. people with means. Oh not, yeah, not billionaires. We're not. Yeah. That, uh, that's we, canceled. We prefer to be called people with means. <laughs> yeah. People of oh, means. Man. Yeah. But um, the point is, is that. It's really easy, I think, to kind of look at all of like the highlights of it and not really kind of be particularly critical on like some of the like people are just like kind of whack pieces of software or like slightly smarter animals. Like everybody's broken, probably most likely in the same way that you are. It just comes out in a slightly different way. We are all very (laughs) fucking broken in one way or another and we're all just trying to make it, trying to figure it out. Exactly, yeah. And, and... It's it's just it's it's such a funny thing that for the first time in human history it's playing out like on a societally public like on a level that is so foreign to anything. Oh dude, it's like it's like Anthrop- hung, it's like Anth- hunger games of emotions basically or hunger games yeah. of like self-identity. Oh my god, it's it it really it, it's it as somebody who thinks about the fu- like the future one of my favorite books is Black Swan. Um, He's a lunatic too. Have you followed him on Twitter? No. He's literally the craziest person on Twitter. Really? Great ideas, but he's in a war with Nate Silver now where they're just like trying to cut off each other's heads. But Re- great book. What, why, what, I'm just, I would, sorry, sorry listeners, if this is boring, fast forward, but why is he in a war with Nate Silver? Um, it's, God, it's way above my pay grade as far as how they're discussing it. But Nate Silver is a probabilistic. So you know how he does all of like the, the predictions or yeah. whatever. And he got, or the story was that he lost the Trump election or missed it when like what he really always did was he was probabilistic. Like right. this has this percent chance of happening. And a lot of, a lot of people believed when it didn't happen that he was wrong. Right, where, because he said something was an 83% possibility. And the 17% came up. Right. Precisely. Exactly. And so- Taleb is like talking about how all his predictions are a moving target mm. and that so he can never be wrong. And Nate Silver is more talking about like it's not about being wrong. It's a probabilistic take, right. which means that we're always representing both sides just in and it's more bring it up or I didn't even bring it up because Taleb is like a 
bully. It's really funny in the sense that like you'd never expect like an economist right. or a trader turned economist. But he's like the dude who like walks into the gym and gives people wedgies like digitally. Really? You, oh my! You got to read it. Dick, he's a savage. Well, he. I mean, he is kind of like if you read that book, like he clearly thinks experts are just fuckers oh yeah and he'll, he'll be very quick yeah. to be like yo i'm gonna give all those nerds a swirly yeah and then i'm gonna go get their girl <laughs> like like that's his like intellectual take on like how to put someone down i guess it's refreshing though like in the sense that it's different I yeah mean, i mean be, inter be interesting right <laughs> why the fuck like that's that's the thing it is is i this all of these discourses are happening in public like it, it is very much and in pen <laughs> Yeah, like it, it's kind of cool in the sense that, like, you know, it, it harks back to like when Alexander Hamilton and who, like, who Aaron Burr were like yeah. dueling editorials in newspapers <laughs> and shit. Like, it's that type of shit. But it's it's just a weird thing that's happening in our society, and it makes me think about. I guess the reason why I was thinking of Talib was was because you know, the things that shape society are the, are the unexpected things yes. that we cannot predict, inherently can't predict. Totally. And it just feels I, th like, I guess just my spidey sense sort of is, is tingling about like something in the digital landscape is going to fundamentally do some shit that th like, I guess just that this, the yeah, status take, like, what do you think? What do you see happening? Just that the status quo is untenable. Because it, it's too painful. What if we were in like the golden age? What if like the 80s and 90s were just like, you know, basically like are sitting in the park in a nice breeze and like that was the exception? Because history is not always super easy. Oh, no, dude. I, <laughs> I think that is the case. I, I, not that I'm not pessimistic. No, I, I have no idea what's going to happen. I have, I have sort of two competing feelings or thoughts i uh -huh. guess one is that this is the best time in human history to be alive mm -hmm. like based on any if you look at any sort of metric totally. it's the best time um but i also like so have you read sapiens mm -hmm. that was actually my favorite book last year yeah it was that i read it was mine too i'm like it was like way um, behind but it's amazing. so so one of my favorite parts of that book is how he talks about as humans became agricultural uh, -huh. uh it happened over the course of several generations and it actually worsened quality of life pretty significantly. Disease rates went up, um, you know, people were having more kids, but they were able to- Couldn't afford, or couldn't support Couldn't them, support them, diets were worse. All, like, all, a lot of the metrics that yeah. you measure human, whatever, contentment went down. I think that the same phenomenon is happening right now with digital technology. Interesting, so, go on. So where, where, our adoption of it is is happening so slowly and it's happening so gradually uh -huh. and sort of the the uh i synthesis between human and digital is happening so slowly so gradually that we're unable to really see how like negative the, like it the is effects. yeah I, I, it's I, basically just happening correct. it's not being controlled no it's not being planned no. it's just it, happening it, it is and i think that like there i I actually think that, unfortunately, and I apologize if this feels pessimistic. I think that we don't apologize. Be you. We are past the point of no return with this societally. Is there such thing as like, I mean, yeah, sure. We're probably not going to, you know, be like, yo, let's get that tele, let's dust off that telegraph right. and holler at you right. know Spain on it. But like, I don't know. It's all relative, right? Yeah, I, uh, <laughs> you are, you are one hundred percent right, and I think I'm I'm hopefully wrong about this, but I. 
I I I think that we will we will look at how how technology is affecting our society and uh-huh. how the internet and like the siloing of humans and the the loneliness that it's creating and the lack of community that's creating um and the 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 fracturing sort of of the of mm-hmm. of the bonds that unite society that's uh, occurring and i think that it will um only get worse unfortunately i i, I f- it, the way things are current currently set up i find it very difficult to see a path back uh, it it w- under the current sort of guidelines and laws and all that well to serve is like the op- optimistic foil there mm-hmm. um well first i agree with you on part of it the whole like breaking of you know in general, I think it's it's you know widely accepted right. that we are a tribe-based species. Right. Also, good book, Tribe, Sebastian mm. Unger. Younger. Unger, yeah, younger, yeah, yeah. I never say it right. Uh, um, one of my favorite documentaries of all time. Is docu- what, what is it? Uh, Restrepo. Oh, yeah, yeah. But yeah. I, wait, is it good, really? Oh, I my think God. I watched it. I was like high and I fell asleep. Dude, it was years ago. Is that good? Oh, watch Restrepo and Korangal. To, uh, are they both war documentaries yeah he, he he they're both all right i'll watch again yeah i was like i think i was like because Shepo was like seven years ago right yeah it was a while ago i literally think that like i passed out like you know no, it was it was it, uh, i gotta give it a look it's 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 worth so it. optimism anyway, i'm yeah. giving the optimism back at you here yeah um so if i had told you mm-hmm. in 1990 mm-hmm. all the things that were going to come with technology it would have been something that was unfathomable right. in the sense that like there was no, there's no analog to it at the time. Right. Like there wasn't like, this is a bigger version of that. It quite literally was a whole new thing. Mm-hmm. And I think in general with like solutions that are kind of fundamental yeah. or like, I think it's probably just the regular curve of like growth and technology that we can't see a way out because we don't know kind of what you know the flying car is going to be in the future but i think the odds are just as good that we figure it out is that we don't or probably you know what i'd even say the odds are better that we figure it out in a positive way i agree then we don't mostly because we're still here and we're a species the fact that the mere fact that we exist means that statistically we more often figure it out than we don't figure it out you so and all of these things uh yes i agree so i i I agree with you i think there's and I think it's I said, scary though. Yeah, it's very scary, and it just feels like, like specific. I I think I you know, I think about it in the context of politics a lot. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, specifically in, as relates to sort of the the siloing of people. Mm-hmm. Uh, use it like I, I like the Donald subreddit to me is so interesting. Mm, trash. Uh, <laughs> yeah, of course, but like, like how. The the way that 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 these echo chambers have arisen, it's just politics or sports teams now. Like yeah. that's how like it, it, I mean, it's it really going back to this idea of politics is entertainment. Yeah, it, oh, we, we even talked about it. Anyway. Right. that was off. That was yeah. off. But yes, like everything, basically to give you a little uh, background. Right before we started, I was telling him I just finished this book called "Entertaining Ourselves mm-hmm. to Death." I we finished it last night, and um, it's about this idea it's from the eighties. Like to give you like my, I was told him the funniest right. quote in the fucking book was that like there's one line in the computer, and he's like. Everyone's excited about the computer. I think it's overrated. <laughs> you know, that's some, I wish you had that one back. But this idea that the change from a written word to yeah. a visual medium ended up changing how we process ideas and stuff like that. And that it meant that everything would slowly become entertainment. Mm-hmm. And there, he's much more nuanced. It's a good book. It's relatively short. 
but he predicted in 1980 that religion would become entertainment. This is like talking Billy Graham before like it got there and, you know, and all these different things. And I don't know what comes after that. You know, long form discourse in like versus just being entertained is like very clearly entertainment has like just crushed everything else. I mean, look at Fox News. It's number killing, one, killing number it. number one in the game. Number one in the game. Did you re- did you see that New Yorker article about uh, which one? The there were, Jane Mayer did like a Fox News, Fox's connection to the Trump White House. Maybe no, like a it month probably just makes six, me sad. It, dude, it's <laughs> crazy, man. It like there's a quote from Rupert Murdoch in like 1994 saying like, you know, people don't understand like. People get a lot done under authoritarianism or like something insane. <laughs> and, you know, He's an interesting guy. I'm still surprised there's not like an authoritative biography on him me yet. Me too. Uh, I, it kind of feels like he's probably like made sure that there isn't in a sort still of. Still, though, I just imagine yeah. that. I remember, I think it was in college, I had to do a report and I ended up picking him. Mm. I must have been a sophomore, I want to say, in college. And I did a report on him and he's just a fucking savage with like you know spears and knives he just gets it and like i didn't he didn't strike me as an evil person he strikes me as a game exactly that's exactly what it is like it's a game where power is kind of the only prize yeah and have you watched succession no dude is it good oh my god it's so good i never heard anything about it dude you gotta watch it 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 is better than billions not as good better in my opinion yeah i like Um, that strong position um it it basically is it it follows a family internecine warfare mm-hmm. that sort of is a combine it's like brings the internecine warfare of what's happening with Viacom mm-hmm. but the family dynamic of Fox interesting um the Murdoch's meets the Redstones correct. with like a young with, Culkin Macaulay Culkin's little brother in it is yeah he? yeah well he's he's one of the sons and then the other it it, it dude it it's is good all right very yeah, i'm getting good. rex all day you really like i i you will not go wrong with this it takes maybe like two three episodes to really get mm-hmm. amazing but probably my favorite show of the of this past damn year. yeah praise um yeah i was very impressed i'll check it out it's uh, always interesting i've like know a couple friends who like come from those types of families yeah in like uh it's just always so interesting, like the systems and the families and like it's it could not be a more alien world to me. I come from like a you know, a middle class Jewish family or whatever, where like it just like chaos was the only rule and that like you never really thought about like how will this affect the climate right. name. It right. was always like, Yeah, I'm gonna do some stuff and I'm gonna yeah, do some so more I, stuff. I, my parents I was named by my parents guru. Like you know, <laughs> <laughs> So yeah, you get it exactly. Yeah. <laughs> and then you find these families though where like their filter is like, Okay, what is this gonna do the canon of my last name? And it's like that right. seems crazy. Dude, like that I, sounds like terrible. But pressure. it's a thing and, and like yeah, like growing up, like, you know, you have your families what your family has built is your responsibility yeah. to maintain and like all this shit. Like it's gnarly. Described a job from like 10. I don't want that. I don't want to work at 10. At, even at 20, I was like, nah, I just need to make enough money to go, you know, be an idiot. Like they didn't really get, th- I mean, they do get that chance. It's yeah. just different. It's, it's a very different thing, man. Dude, we could talk all fucking afternoon. <laughs> yeah, this is great. This we re- I, we're gonna have to do another one of these in I'm like three months. You, we'll just make you like a, a recurring guest. I love it. Friend of the pod. Friend of the pod, dude. <laughs> well, for you're actually you're gonna be the first official friend of the pod. 
give me a place uh, that crown. I'll, I'll, send I'll take you, it. You know what we can do is uh, I'll get you a, a, a Millennials Don't Suck mug that says Friend of the Pod on it. I'm all about I'm all about custom mugs. Know. You know. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> all right, man. Brandon Kleinman, uh, anything you want to plug? Any social handles or anything like that? Um, Any? I'm BK Senior. If you want to say what's up, great. On uh, all of them, and then. Thank you. I guess the one thing that I always say whenever I speak anywhere mm. is like, if you're doing well in entrepreneurship, or you have anything, always, always pass it backwards. Yeah. It's really hard to break through the ceiling, no matter what sex race you are. Yeah. Like, if you made it, put time into other into young people that like can't do anything for you. If yeah. you don't, you're stealing. That's the only thing. Good shit, man. I want to be speaking. Reminding me of that, I want to introduce you to a friend of mine who's doing exact helping helping people who don't have a way in in a very cool way so we'll talk offline it. this is great you're a legend Thanks, i appreciate man. the time here always and you can i'll always come back if cheers you need me. thank you